It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hello, everybody. I'm Scott from What Culture. Now, obviously, this review is a little bit different than what we usually do. I'm miles away from the studio, so I can't gush in a padded room like I could with Doom Eternal. Um, but I've just been living on Final Fantasy VII Remake for a good week. I've been staying up until three in the morning. I stayed up until four in the morning last night to make sure that I got everything done. Um, and I finished. It was about 30 hours long. The thing is in the can. And oh my God, there's so much to talk about. It's ridiculous. There's, uh, there are some creative risks in this game that will be talked about for some considerable amount of time. Now, obviously, that stuff is going to be spoilers, but we can do all that, all those things in the future um, because we'll be doing podcasts, we'll be doing breakdowns, we'll be doing how this changes Final Fantasy forever and all those kind of things. Um, but for the sake of the review, I've got a whole bunch of different points that I want to break down, um, some different things that I think are worth clarifying at this stage. Um, and, you know, just a, a star rating for where we're at. So I'm going to immediately go with the, the most obvious question. Should you play this game? Um, which is a, a weird thing. Uh, this, you should only play Final Fantasy VII Remake if you have played Final Fantasy VII. Um, they, they had such a weird rollout with this game, considering that they started by saying, you know, we're going to do this eight years ago. They were going to go into Final Fantasy VII, um, you know, and we're only going to go back to it if it's really worthwhile and we don't just want to, you know, recreate the game that we had from the 90s because it would show that we're out of ideas and we need to make sure that it's a worthwhile thing. Um, the over time that sort of became they started referring to it as the Final Fantasy VII reimagining project, um, and it became less and less uh, this overall sort of replacement thing. Um, and so for me, uh, playing through it, there is so much in this game that is is a direct reference to the original one in terms of fan service and callbacks, and you know, oh, we're going to tease this piece of lore, this this reveal, this big twist that you're not going to get for well, you're not even going to get in this game. Um, you know, at some point in the future, um, and things like that, it's it gives it makes it feel like it is a celebration of the original Final Fantasy VII. It's not necessary. It shouldn't be your introduction to this mythos. It shouldn't be the first time you experience Cloud Tifa, Barrett, Mako reactors. You know, Cosmo Canyon, all those different things that make up Final Fantasy VII. This I don't think should be your foray into that stuff. I would still heartily recommend the original. It's still one of the best games of all time. Yes, it's a bit blocky. But you'll get past that. You know, there's uh, the the themes, the characters, the pacing is immaculate in that game. And those are all things that sadly don't transition over to this. Um, because of the sheer fact that they, you know, they had to sort of segment off Midgar. They had to take what is literally the first five hours of the original game 
and stretch it out into a 30-hour full game. Uh, that means they've had to rejig a lot of stuff. Uh, and that means they've had to try and find something that would have been the, like I said, was sort of the, the climax of a glorified tutorial and make that the climax, the third arc of a full game. Now, you know, can the beginning of Final Fantasy VII just work on its own? Yeah, Midgar is iconic and it's enjoyable being there, but across that 30-hour runtime, I, for me, I only really think that it works in the opening and the ending. Again, I'm not going to get into the ending stuff. The opening is the bombing run. It's the thing they put out as the demo. And the first couple of times you're taking down some reactors, playing as these eco-terrorists, um, trying to do right by the planet and get rid of this, uh, this nuclear power company that's sort of draining the life force out of the Earth. That stuff is great. That stuff is, has always been great. It's, it's immediately recognizable and the soundtrack is phenomenal. Nobu Yamatsu once again returning for the score. All that stuff is great, but there's a whole lull in the middle. There's a big old lull, and I'm going to talk about pacing as well. Um, but yeah, there's a massive lull in the middle where um, Cloud, for the most part, is underwritten throughout because you have a character who doesn't really come into his own until after the the five hour mark, after the fact that you after you leave Midgar in the original game. So when you go back to taking that original version of him and stretching him across 30 hours, the vast majority of Cloud's dialogue is just him being talked to in an energetic way and him going, nope, okay, sure, what? It's just, it's like, I get what they're going for and it's in service of the, the big twist, one of the big twists, um, but it doesn't make him likable. It doesn't endear you to him whatsoever. And I'm, this is me talking as a lifelong Final Fantasy VII fan. I think that they underwrite him to a fault. Um, trying to make him this cold mercenary. Um, and it, it folds back into that lull because there are so many parts. If you pass out the, the Midgar segment of Final Fantasy VII, there are so many parts where it's just Cloud and one other person. Um, you know, like there's the, the lull I'm referring to is a good sort of 12 to 14 hour stint in the new one where it's just Cloud and Aerith. Now that should be you know, it's pure fan wish fulfillment. You get to hang out with Aerith, do a bunch of side missions and stuff like that and hang out in that space, in that mind space. And that's great. But all the dialogue exchanges are Cloud just fobbing her off and fobbing other people off. And Aerith kind of being reduced to just a chirpy peace symbol throwing, you know, waifu. <laughs> it just doesn't... I didn't think that stuff worked at all. Um, and I think it does a huge disservice to uh, one of the best written characters in RPG history. They, that applies across the board, really, because they, they really are taking the opening eighth, tenth of a game and stretching it out into a full thing. And so in the process of doing that, they've had to pick and choose quite a lot of what they're going to bring in. And character-wise, there's only so much they could do because there's so much more that has to be done in the future. So the, the overall takeaway you should know in, in regards to, you know, whether you should jump into this one, uh, whether this is the, you know, if you've missed out on Final Fantasy VII for this long, is this the one that you should be on? No, it, uh, it should be the original. The original does everything better in terms of the pacing, the characters, and uh, the build-up, the payoff. Um, you know, certain scenes that um, they completely ditch in the remake, the way that Sephiroth is handled, um, Square Enix got out there and said, look, we're aware that everybody knows about Sephiroth, knows about Cloud versus Sephiroth. That's kind of the pop culture reputation that Final Fantasy VII has. So they, they steer directly into that. Um, and that comes through in the, uh, in the reactor in the, the very beginning. But they very much run with that. 
And by doing that, by front-loading Sephiroth, by having him be this uh, spectre that sort of appears in Cloud's mind, and is he real, is he not, and stuff like that, um, Sephiroth's role in the original game wasn't revealed until after Midgar, so they've had to sort of place him in. And that means that his slow rollout, the the horror, the terror of this mysterious figure coming in and uh, you know interacting with parts of the storyline earlier on, all of that is kind of gone. There's a really iconic scene in the original where you just see Sephiroth's sword sticking out the back of a guy and then, you know, Cloud reacts and says, oh my God, it's Sephiroth. And the rest of the party's like, who, what, what do you mean? And it's a great payoff and it goes from there, but they don't have any of that in this one. And I think that's a massive missed opportunity. Um, and so, I'm, like I said, I'm not going to get into um, the overall the way the overall story goes in regards to Sephiroth's impact on Cloud and stuff like that, because there's so much to break down. Um, but I do think that's a missed opportunity, and I think that it's one of the many reasons that you should play the original. It's it's still worth totally, totally playing. Another thing to uh, focus on is the pacing and the ridiculous amount of padding. There is a ludicrous amount of padding, and you can tell. I would be so curious to talk to someone who hasn't played Final Fantasy VII, uh, the original, um, and see if they would still pick out on so much padding. I'm talking really old-school, Square Enix-style padding. Like, oh, we're going to go to this door, but it's locked, and you need to go to three different terminals to unlock it. Oh, a character fell off a walkway, and now they're away from the rest of the party, so we need to run around a bunch of different corridors to get back to the main group. It's always like, if you imagine Final Fantasy VII, the original, was an A to B to C. I, honestly, the opening of that game is so immaculately paced. If you stretched it out as one big, long trajectory, then that game goes from A to B, flies. This one is A to B, and all of a sudden the, the plot line just goes over here for a bit. Just squiggly pile of noodles over here, squiggly bits, and eventually comes back and about eight to ten hours have passed over here. But the main beat over here is the thing that you actually cared about and the thing that will drive the story forward. Um, they've tried to split the difference. They've tried to let you spend more time in different sectors and with different characters for longer, like I said, with Aerith. But the knock-on effect for that is, sadly, Square Enix's side mission design or overall game design when it comes to injecting uh, worthwhile things to do in an open space is just not enjoyable. It's, it's very much filler and the, the, it's, you notice it so much, whether it be, you know, a, a mini game involving a mechanical hand that you need to pilot awkwardly for someone to stand on and then move it back and forward so many times, or whether you're in the sewers, and you can't go anywhere until you've found the right key cards and pulled the right levers. There's a bit right near the end of the game when everything is building up so much, and I'll keep it super vague, um, where the they inject one of these sequences where you, you think you're building to something and the score's right there, um, and then they just deviate away. And it's it's it shouldn't it's a it's a bad idea. It's a mistake, I think. I don't think it's I don't think it serves anything other than padding the runtime. Um and it's, it's one of those things where the game overall, when it's allowed to be Final Fantasy VII, when it sticks to those iconic scenes and character setups and the group chemistry that those people have, it's still great, you know, but it's, it's very much still great because the original is great. Um, you talk about the, the new stuff that this brings to the table. And we're talking about, uh, they flesh Jessie out a lot more. She's a side character. She hangs out with the main group uh, in the original game. But in this one, you get to do a whole bunch of side missions with her. In terms of um, you spend time with her, you get to find out about her family and why she joined Avalanche, the terrorist group that Barrett is the head of. Um, and stuff like that is an interesting you know, notion. Like, oh man, they, they can plug some stuff in here in terms of story, not necessarily a gameplay space. That's interesting. Um, 
but that's one of the only characters they do that for. And they, <laughs> because of the sheer, by proxy, the way that that story plays out, Jesse is then not in the vast majority of the rest of Midgar. So it kind of it's kind of just has a knock-on effect on it. But overall, um, I mentioned before about, you know, the, the general, the lull in the middle. I would say the opening seven to eight hours is absolutely phenomenal. A brilliant modernization of one of the best game openings of all time. And it ends very strongly as well, um, staying away from details. But that whole middle chunk, when you're only playing as Cloud and Aerith or a, a couple of people, when you're not playing as the team, the crew, the people that made this one of the best games of all time, that stuff stands out. Um, and it was, I literally remember thinking to myself, 18 hours in, when I finally got to play as Cloud, Tifa and Barrett again, this is Final Fantasy VII. And it's only in one of the final gameplay spaces where it actually feels like, you know, you're playing a Final Fantasy VII remake. That group chemistry is there. There's banter between the different people. Um, it's funny. Cloud's kind of come out of his shell a bit more. But we're talking 18 to 20 hours in, which is... Crazy. I mean, you know, for as much as they said, look, this is going to be a full JRPG, I didn't expect them to carry over the Final Fantasy thirteen trope of it gets good 20 hours in. Um, so that stuff's a bit of a negative too. Last thing in the in the negative pile, I swear I'm going to get to some positives, um, is the, the dialogue. The, uh, the dialogue is very bad uh, for the vast majority. Again, after that 18 to 20 hour mark, um, it's like a different writer entered the room and started writing group scenarios and ways for the team to bounce off each other that they couldn't, they literally couldn't before. Um, you know, and like I said, Cloud has more agency in those group conversations then, so you care more about him as a main character. Um, but there's just, there are so many misfires in the dialogue category, uh, mainly regards to Tifa and Aerith. Um, I just don't think they do them justice. Um, and I, I, yeah, I just think that, like I said before, I think they're some of the best written characters in RPG history. And when you reduce them to largely being waifus who just fawn over Cloud and just, like in Jesse as well, just thirsty for Cloud all the time. You know, some lines of dialogue were in the original that alluded to that stuff. And Aerith's very much a sort of like fun, charismatic, energetic presence who, you know, you can, you can flirt with each other. There's a whole mini system of who you're going to take on a date at the Golden Saucer based on who you talk to the most. Uh, in that original game but it's front-loaded here and I think that it gets in the way of their character writing um you know what makes them people like you don't they don't feel like people they feel like um like fan creations like sort of things that were designed to be memed and gift and oh my god she's so cute when she says this um as opposed to letting those things come through naturally like the reason that we fell in love with this entire group of people was because we spend so much time reading their dialogue, hanging out with them, valuing them as people and their thoughts and what they had to say. Even though it was a product of the time in terms of the graphics, that is a massive positive to that game because you had to interact, you had to engage with that script. You had to understand what their motivations were. You got why Barrett was fighting. You got why Aerith wanted to go from being the, the flower girl in the slums all the way through to the eventual role that she has. Uh, and Tifa as well, for as much as she's this dolled up, overblown, inflato-chested sex doll, <laughs> they really rounded her out in a nice way character-wise where you cared about her um, and I think that they, they they don't do a total disservice to that in the remake but there's just there's too many massive upfront close-up shots of their faces just going like do you care? do you care because they're attractive? do you care now? and I think that's again it's a bit of a misfire I think they should have relied on the script a hell of a lot more had some more banter between uh, Cloud and them I just think it, it misses um, and as much as that original script is is held up and, uh, and dogged for being a, a bit of a translation mess. 
Uh, for me and for millions of other people, it still totally worked. And I think that would have been the better way to go. Um, the Aerith that everybody fell in love with is still the original game's Aerith. I would be amazed if someone came in new and and got it and got why Aerith is a big deal or Tifa is a big deal or this group of characters is a big deal in the remake. Um, again, it's another it's another part of me that just says, go play the original. Don't don't be put off by the blocky graphics or the fact that it's from 1997. Just get over that. It's it's a phenomenal game and you'll love it. It's great. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. This podcast is brought to you by Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. One of the things I love about Indeed is that it just makes hiring all in one place so easy because you just get unparalleled access to job seekers. Plus, listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash WCG. Just go to Indeed.com slash WCG right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash WCG. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Okay, finally, let's talk about some positives. I know I've talked a lot about the negatives, but honestly, it's because that's what stood out to me when I'm going through it. I am going to be one of the most meticulous people when it comes to this because Final Fantasy VII Remake should stand up to that scrutiny. We've had something that was first teased back in 2005, 2006, which turned out to just be a tech demo. We had the Advent Children movie. You know, there's been Crisis Core on the PSP. It's, it's Final Fantasy VII is almost its own cottage industry within Square Enix, and they've sort of gone back to the IP in fleets and starts and not really fleshed it out until now. So I, I do think that it's it's worthwhile comparing to the original whilst also touching on how it's going to work for a newcomer. Um, but in regards to that, positives, uh, the combat. Um, it's it's going to come down to personal preference, whether or not you like turn-based combat or whether you want something more like Devil May Cry or a Platinum Games-style action thing. And uh, they've tried to split the difference. And I think they've done a really, really good job. There's a 
There's a staggering negative with the way the camera works. Sometimes it just gets stuck. It's when you're playing, when you're fighting something in the air, the camera can just get hot, just get hooked on part of the environment and everything's attacking you and stun locking you and you can't see what the hell's going on and you just die. And it just makes you go, well, I didn't even learn from that. I don't know what I did wrong. I just, I guess I shouldn't have stood there. Um, and that stuff feels like a bummer. But when it works, it's absolutely immaculate. They've made something where you, you know, you hit, you have light attacks, you have a signature attack on triangle and um, you can hold both buttons to do different things too. Um, and also on top of that, you can tap X to freeze time, which brings up the small ATB window, the active time battle window from the original game. Um, so if you want to kind of, like I said, split the difference, you can go all out and fight a bunch of dudes full on, you know, Devil May Cry style, or you can hit X and pause and start like telling your other team members what to do. Um, as the combat ramps up and the bosses come in, and this game's quite hard uh, over time, you'll need to maximize that. You'll need to be attacking full on, pausing, telling someone else to ready one of their specials or limit breaks or a healing spell or something. Jump back, make sure that you're comboing that with another elemental attack and uh, keeping the pressure on opponents. They have a whole system uh, with pressuring someone and then staggering them. And once they're in stagger, that means they get a, a, a damage multiplier. So that can go all the way up to like 200, 300, 500% uh, based on the amount of different um, proficiency attacks that you're combining together. Um, I love that system. And when it's all kicking off, it looks absolutely gorgeous. It's one of the standout positives, which ties into the fact that this remake is easily one of the best looking games of all time. Like not even joking. I mean, if you compare it, to uh, Advent Children, uh, obviously it was made as a CG movie. Uh, I'm, I think off the top of my head that these character models are better looking than that. Um, and it's even going close to that, it's amazing that we're playing a game that is even remotely close to Advent Children uh, in terms of the way that it looks and the way that the, the amount of fidelity and detail in the character models, the clothing, the materials and everything like that, that stuff is absolutely phenomenal. Um, and I, I totally hold that up as a, a massive positive, just looking at this game, drinking it in. Uh, is absolutely gorgeous. The way that Midgar looks, the feel of this industrious Millennium Falcon looking building <laughs> city type structure, um, which is on two levels and you're stuck in the slums. You can look up to the uh, the pizza above and you barely see any daylight because of the way the Shinra Corporation have made this top layer just that just eclipses all of the slums. All of that stuff is great. The first time you look out across Midgar and you just get, you get a sense of 3D space, all that is great. It's uh, on a visual standpoint, absolutely immaculate. Um, it's going to be totally subjective as to whether you wanted 1997 Tifa, like <laughs> ridiculous sex doll Tifa, or whether you wanted something more measured, like the Advent Children version. Um, I can go either way, to be honest. I grew up with the, ni the 90s one, um, and although it's a bit of a disappointment in terms of how the uh, the visuals of the women tends to interact or tend to affect their character writing, um, whatever. In terms of Tifa, it was they were either going to do they were probably going to get it wrong. If they went with the Advent Children one, you would have legions of fans complaining you didn't have the original design. And if you went with the original, then you're going to end up with people going like, yeah, that's very 1997 Square Enix, and it kind of stands out. Another absolutely massive positive is what they've done with the weapons and leveling systems in general. So when you leveled up in the original, same as every other RPG, you level up, all your stats go up, attack, magic, magic, defense, speed, luck, whatever. All those things go up, uh, you know, all at the same time. In this one, um, they've changed that. So when you level up, you get a currency called SP, which at the top of my head, I can't think what the hell that stands for. Special points, let's go for. Um, and they can then be invested in your weapon cores. Now, um, every weapon has a set amount of cores. The weapon has a level which unlocks cores. And once you jump into this screen, um, you can then choose how you want your character to spec. You can put more points into attack power, magic, magic defense. You might want to make it so that healing spells are more effective when a character is on low HP, or you might want to make it so that 
the you know they can um, charge up their limit break faster or get turns faster or make it so that their limit break is the the high damage output thing whilst you make it so that when they're guarding um the atb gets up faster or their limit break gets up faster that stuff is great and a knock-on effect of that is that every individual weapon has one of these trees and um, which doesn't invalidate each one as you go forward and um, what i mean by that is that by the time i got to the end i actually went back to cloud's original buster sword because i'd built up 30 hours worth of sp points that i could then put back into the uh, buster sword and all of the different cores had unlocked for that so it basically meant that cloud's starting sword was then one of the best ones in the game by the end which just in terms of a an iconic look i i want to be cloud with you know with the buster sword and that's just just that stuff just felt good that also applies to when you have one of these new weapons, each one has a signature attack associated with it, that if you use the weapon for a certain amount of time, your character will learn, and it then applies to every other weapon. Um, it's a great system. It just means that you're encouraged to try everything at your disposal, learn every single move, unlock every single core, and flesh out every single weapon, but it also makes all of them completely viable as a main. I think that's a genius way to go about it, and I absolutely love that stuff. I love that in the final you know, big charge towards the uh, the final act let's say um, I could re-equip the characters with their iconic looks the looks that have defined them for 20 years now 24 years or three years or whatever it is I love the Buster Sword to be honest and that stuff really stood out as another massive positive it, again it ties into the idea that this is a celebration of Final Fantasy 7 and not necessarily a replacement of it um, because no one other than the original fans are going to get that much of a kick out of respecking a starter weapon and lastly, just to wrap all this up, I know I've covered a whole bunch of negatives, but I do think that that's the overarching thing. I don't know what the world thinks of this. I've been staying off Twitter. I haven't seen the other reviews. Um, by the time this goes live, everything will have broken. I'll get to see whether or not I line up with most other people. Um, but I do want to end on a positive. I think that if you treat this as the celebration, as this big um, you know, example of fan service and this sort of wish fulfillment thing coming true, because so many of us have asked for a Final Fantasy VII remake for, like I said, 20 odd years, um, it works. Um, the, the directions it goes towards the end are ludicrous and it makes me question how the hell they do more um, based on how much they've had to pick and choose and pull in from the wider story. Um, you know, where, where do we even go from here kind of thing? Um, but, you know, in regards to that, because you already have that body of knowledge, if you're an original fan, um, those things are fascinating and those threads that they're pulling on and the questions that they're raising, um, it, it makes me super curious about where the hell they go from here. There is a meta narrative bedded into the script at that point that sort of addresses the fact that they don't really know what like where the hell they're going um and uh, i think that's going to be a hell of a journey to go on maybe one of the only ways to replicate the feeling of epicness and oh my god what's next from the original game um but yeah i do want to end on that i do think that it's worthwhile playing if you're a fan of the original just don't make it your first port of call if you've never experienced this fiction before that's my main takeaway the idea of someone playing this first um, just feels wrong. It just feels like you should have that bedrock from the original and then go into this and be like, okay, you know, they, they poured out all those plot points. They moved this over here and moved that over there. And now this means this and this means that. And oh, this person's over here now. And things like that. I don't think that stuff, um, I don't think that works for a fresh viewing, but we'll see when more reviews and opinions and stuff start coming out. Um, but in terms of fan service, there is one boss in here that I'm not going to give away, but I, I could not believe 
that they'd done it. It's a degree of fan service that makes me think that Tetsuya Nomura and the other uh, creative directors and combat designers and the team overall were just scouring forums being like, well, what's the, what's the one thing that people have talked about and gone, they'll never do that. That thing will not make it in. That's too crazy. Um, and they make it a whole boss. They give it full-on spotlights. This is the thing you want. And I just, I couldn't believe that. That happened twice in the game. Um, yeah, one of them is in War Market, let's say. Look out for that. Um, and there's another one towards the end of the game as well. Um, but it's things like that, those, those little nods, the fact that they go, we've been, you know, you guys have been with us this whole time and we, we're going to try. We're going to do something new. As much as they talked about, if they ever went back to it, it would be, you know, they've run out of ideas. Um, they haven't. Um, and they have, again, I'm skirting around spoilers, they have confidently, or at least... I don't know, uh, charismatically approached what, uh, approach this fiction in a way that can lead to something in the next installment that'll hopefully be another payoff in a whole new way. Because like I said, they've pulled so much from the future to supplement the present. And I kind of just, I'm just super curious where it goes. I know that's vague as hell, um, but you'll know what I mean when you get to the ending because holy shit, it's a bit of a thing. Um, so yeah, if I'm going to grade it, um, I, I oscillated a lot between um, three stars uh, for the vast majority of it because um, I just thought that the, the middle 10 to 12 hours really, really, really dragged it down. Um, but I think it opens phenomenally well. Once the, once the crew get back together in the, the final sort of eight hours, it ends immaculately strong. Um, I, love, I love the direction they're going in. I think it's going to be divisive, but I'm, I'm a big fan just because it's something new. Um, and uh, yeah, overall, I think that uh, I'm gonna land on four stars. I don't. I think they make too many mistakes with um, plot points and dialogue, um, and the and the combat. When the com when the combat doesn't work, it just feels infuriating. It just feels like the game just wanted you to die. It just wanted to stun lock you into a position and just wail on you until you died. And there was nothing you could do because you can't parry mid combo. You can't get out of those things. Um, and that stuff sucks. So I need, I'm going to shave off a star, but I think in terms of the, the visuals, there, there's some great moments of fan service. The combat when it works is fantastic. Um, and overall they have managed to make Midgar into a, a three act structure with a one big final act that does feel epic enough and uh, doesn't feel like you're left wanting more to the point of it being a detriment. So overall, positive, had a blast with it, um, but just know that you really should play the original. Uh, that's that's my overall thing, just play the original Final Fantasy VII. It's one of the best games of all time for a reason. Um, and if you go back to it, I'm sure you can, I'm sure you'll enjoy it. And you know, blocky old cloud and three pixeled Aerith and Tifa, just go with it. It's endearing, it's fun. Um, so for now, I've been Scott from whatculture.com. Let me know what you think down in the comments below. A whole bunch of copies leaked, uh, you know, uh, in the, the weeks prior, um, and we're fast approaching the release date itself. So let me know where you come down on it and uh, whether you're actually going to check out the original or if you're waiting for the remake. Um, for now, I've been Scott from whatculture.com, and I'll catch you soon. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hold up. 
What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. 